Welcome into another edition of NBA Sound System. Carlin Gay alongside Alex Novick, fresh back from vacation. Mike Adams and the golden voice of Gil McGregor. <laughs> golden voice. I don't know about the all that, but I'll, I'll take it. I'll take I'll take whatever whatever compliments come my way this time. Uh, on this pod, we will talk. The race is heating up for eighth in the Western Conference. Those in Memphis will beg to differ. We'll discuss should they be worried. Uh, an interesting firing in Brooklyn. No longer is Keith Atkinson, the head coach, or Kenny Atkinson, sorry, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know why I said Keith. Yeah, uh, well, who, I, don't, who, who I was about to Keith stop you dead in your tracks right there. The only Keith I know is Keith, Keith Bogans. Keith Atkins in Miami. Yeah, Keith Atkins in Miami. There we go. There we go. It had to be something uh, <laughs> NBA related. LeBron James is re-entering the MVP case. Uh, MVP race is he? Uh, is there a case for him to actually supplant Giannis Antetokounmpo? I'll ask these three gentlemen. But we must start with LeBron's team, the LA Lakers, who after this weekend are back in pole position for the. NBA well, you know, you know what they say that NBA championships are won in the first week they of March. So congratulations won. to the Lakers for hanging a banner. In They're, the two and oh. They're two and zero. They're two and zero. Good for them. Another one. Banner. What? This is seventeen. Yeah, they, put it up. That would tie, I would tie them tie with the, the with the Celtics. I mean, Ooh. sustained greatness right there. Well, they uh, started the weekend uh, playing the Milwaukee Bucks, best team in the NBA, and it was a huge game. It was on. It was a national televised game. Everybody was up for the game. It felt like a playoff game watching it. And in the end, LeBron and the Lakers prevailed. What your What are your takeaways from the Bucks game before we get to the Clipper game? I love that he's that he stepped up to the challenge of guarding Giannis. Mm. So LeBron guarded him almost three times as much as anyone else. Held him to two of eight shooting. Uh, had a big block late. Giannis really couldn't couldn't really punish him inside like I, like I think a lot of us would expect him to. And that was I mean that was a, I think the first time that you've really seen LeBron engage defensively like he's in the middle of a playoff series. I mean he took it personally and he he was awesome uh, guarding Giannis in that game. Yeah that that. Almost to me suggested. I mean, I mean, we know LeBron here's a noise. He calls himself the Wash King, even though none of us ever called him that. But um, you know, earlier this year, he had that moment with the referee saying, like, you know, I know you guys think I'm taking a step back defensively, whatever, whatever. But I think that um, while championships are not won at the beginning of March, I do think that we're starting to get a preview of what we will see from LeBron James and this Lakers team in the postseason. I know. A concern was, is he going to step up to the challenge offensively? Is he going to continue to um, not hide on, on defense, but but shy away from guarding these premier guys? Um, and him doing that with Giannis and making things difficult for Giannis and stepping up to the challenge shows that he has a little bit in that reserve of the tank. And I think it shows that he's kind of just been holding it back for these moments. And I think that he's really going to tap into that in the postseason. To your point of, of holding it back for these moments, do you think he had – little bit extra motivation from the all-star game I know it's an all-star game but he basically did to Giannis what Giannis did to him defensively at the end of, in the fourth quarter of that all-star game you think it it played on his mind at all I definitely do uh, you know we talk about LeBron being so aware and being kind of perceptive to everything like I think it all sticks to him especially at this stage in his career um being counted out being doubted a lot of people saying that he's no longer on the top no longer the best player in the world and, and they use the All-Star game and things like that as examples for that. Um, I definitely think that he's taking all these challenges head on um, as evidenced by the way he's been playing since uh, the All-Star break. Um, so 
I definitely think there's definitely validity to that. I think I think the manner in which they beat the Bucks speaks volumes because they the Lakers shot six of thirty two from three, so they were awful. They couldn't buy a bucket. They outscored the Bucks fifty to forty six in the paint. That's where Milwaukee kills everybody. The Lakers outscored the Bucks twenty seven to twenty on the fast break. It's another area where Milwaukee is unstoppable. They had four times as many blocks than the Bucks, who. Uh, they just block everybody into oblivion, and it it really was a two man show. Like we, everyone t- sort of worries sometimes about who's going to be the third guy, and in that game on Sunday, which we'll get to in a bit, it was Avery Bradley, but there really wasn't the third guy in that game against Milwaukee, uh, and the Bucks didn't even have a second guy. Chris Middleton, who we've given a lot of love to all year, was was rough in the fourth quarter, just he was one awful. of six when they were trying to get back in it. I don't know. I think just the manner in which they beat the Bucks uh, spoke more volumes than necessarily the final result itself. I th- I th- before we get to the Clipper game, because I think that's a bigger game to get to, um, did we learn anything new from watching Milwaukee lose? I think I think we we I think we underestimate. You talk about their their two stars, obviously Giannis and Chris Middleton, but how important their support supporting cast is and how it's really a sum of all the parts. George Hill was out, and I know you might think, like, oh, George Hill, whatever, whatever. That's a big but deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um, you know, last time they played, he hit, he had 21 points off the bench. Um, Eric Bledsoe, who, Carlin, I'm sure you know this, that he didn't have the greatest performance in this game either. Not surprised. But, but <laughs> George Hill is a guy who, I mean, you, can't, you don't necessarily want your starting point guard to not play well. But you can afford for him to not to have these type of performances if George Hill's coming and being the sharpshooter he is off the bench um, and being as steady as he's been all season. So you look at the Bucks who have kind of, which we, we saw him lose three times in the past week. That the quarter of their losses have come in the past seven days, which is really wild. You've noticed that like you know Eric Bledsoe's under the weather to start the week. Uh, George Hill was out, and then obviously Giannis is now out. He sustained an injury in this game. You're seeing just how every single piece needs to be in order for this Bucks team to be successful. Um, their you know one sprained ankle or, or, or sprained shoulder from maybe having an early exit in the postseason. For me, I, I don't know if this is something that you learned in that game. Maybe more confirmed is talk about guys that are washed. Wesley Matthews is is washed, and that guy playing 25 minutes a game for them. Is a, is a problem, I think. He's, his last, I don't know, 20 games, he's shooting under 40%. And for me, you got you to get more Dante DiVincenzo in there. I think he should be taking more of those minutes. He gives them a real spark. I think you have 17 off the bench in that game against the Lakers. So, yeah, get some fresh blood in there. I think Wesley Matthews' time is, is done. And kind of worrisome is, like, the Lakers are a team where Wesley Matthews should be able to play against, right? It's not like... The Lakers are trotting out these super athletic wings with size that can do everything. Like he should be able to go hold the zone against. He's the Danny Green's. He's continue. Danny Green's yeah. counterpart, right? Pretty much. I mean, Danny Green's better, but similar type player. Mm. No one else is saying it, but I'll say it. Eric Bledsoe stunk on Friday night. <laughs> I hinted at it. I knew you'd get there. <laughs> he he stunk on Friday night. Five turnovers in the game. He didn't look like he could handle the intensity that that game was. That was a playoff game, seven sort of intensity through parts of that game. And Eric Bledsoe shied away from it. And they didn't have George Hill, as you said, which might be the difference between this year's team and last year's team is that, you know, George Hill can play in these 
intense moments and not be a minus where Bledsoe was a minus on Friday. And if he's not scoring, then he's not giving you much else. I know everyone talks about the defense. We've, we've talked about it on this. But if he's not scoring, he's, he's really hurting your team. So that showed big time. He couldn't hit a single three in that game. And then Chris Middleton, we've given him the benefit of the doubt all season long. And again, he followed up with a great performance. One, uh, one game can't game. undo his season. One day though, right? can't. But it's the same argument that we have with Pascal Siakam. If you're going to be put in the all-star conversation and now two years, you're, you're back-to-back all-star, your, your ceiling now has been raised. And in games like this, you have to show up. You can't go one of six in the fourth quarter when Giannis is dying for help. Dying for help in that game. AD showed up, really brought it. He was the second best player on the floor uh, after LeBron James. And then Giannis is looking around and saying, all right, Donovan DiVincenzo, try your best. Because Chris Milton's not going to show up. And Eric Bledsoe's giving us a zero. <laughs> that can't happen in the playoffs. And this is why people are skeptical about the Bucks. They could go ahead and win 70 games. But when push comes to shove, if Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe are going to play like they did on Friday, they will not win the championship. No, they won't. But I, I don't like, I don't know. Like at one point, at what point can't you just look at Chris Middleton's season and then you just guys are allowed to have bad games. And I understand that like he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt given the manner in which they went out last year. I don't know the fact he came back great the next night. He's been awesome the whole year. Why, why are we, why are we all of a sudden so quick to say one five of 19 performance in a game in March and all of a sudden now Chris Middleton is back to being complete chopped liver. I, I agree with you, but I got to call you out from the guy who crushed Pascal crushed him. Siakam. Crushed him. After he had 22 points against the, against the Bucks a couple weeks ago. But there's ago. a difference because What's Pascal difference? Siakam is supposed to be his team's guy. Chris Middleton has Giannis. I mean, Siakam's right? got Kyle Lowry. He's got yeah, another oh, all-star. And Kyle Siak- Lowry is Siakam's, not Giannis. Oh, this is his second year as a starter. It is. Chris, Chris Middleton's been a starter for five, six years. And Chris Milton's coming off his second year where he's been an all-star. Like, he's solidified now in that class of, all right, this is a guy that could go to and get it done down the stretch. It, I'm not killing him. I'm not saying his season's a watch. He definitely should be an all-star. Probably will be an all-star next season. He's having a great year, career year for him. I'm just saying, this is the reason why people take a step back from this Bucks team. Because when the intensity ratcheted up... There was no Chris Middleton. None, nowhere in sight. I he, he disappeared from the That's game. Fair. Picked a bad game to have a bad game, pretty much. They needed him the most this game. And, I mean, again, he bounced back, but they needed him this game. And, again, like you said, playoff intensity, the playoffs are going to be like this. And I understand it is a cause for concern until we see him do it, sustained in the, in the postseason, which I'm not saying he can't. He's having a great year. But, I mean, again, this is the most recent example we have to show what he does in these these moments. And he's done it. He's, he's played better in these moments earlier in the year, but now we have this back in our mind that, okay, he is also capable of having a game like this in these big moments. You guys are right in the sense of, like, it's okay to have high expectations for him, as we should. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like, this is why the noise around next summer – uh, and Giannis's impending free agency becomes a big deal when, when you know that's what that clock is ticking. It's what fourteen months away, and if Chris Middleton's going to sit here and, and attempt zero free throws in a game like this, that that's not a good look. That's so terrible. that's 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 really, really bad. bad. He couldn't get anything off. Like the intensity went up, and he he just disappeared. And by the way, he did have a great game. So we, we following that bad performance had a great game against the Phoenix Suns. Thirty nine points, uh, shot fifty percent from the field. They lost by nine. That was just a bizarre game. I don't know if I don't know if you can really 
take much out of that. Yeah, game, Giannis but. didn't play. Yeah, right. He's out. But this is another chance for Chris Middleton to show us. Hey, I can be the guy in stretches. We're not asking you to do it for eighty-two. We're just asking you to do it for one game. He's he had did. big moments though, right? Like yeah, yeah. By, he's yeah. killed he's Boston ass. in the yeah. playoffs before, yes. and I mean he's. Let's not act like he's not. He's done nothing. I mean, he's he's the guy that that Milwaukee turned to down the stretch to get a big bucket uh, multiple times in, in that Raptors series. He, he's yeah, the guy that and forced that's the overtime. reason why they lost. Well, that's. I mean, he, he scored. <laughs> he did. He, he, he scored he one game and then overtime. they lost. He scored one game and they lost. I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm. I'm having. They went to kill two and he delivered. What are you I, talking? I, about? I don't want to have to. But they they delivered. He lost four straight. What okay. did he deliver? He didn't deliver a win, is what I'm trying to say. It wasn't enough to deliver a victory. <laughs> They're sitting at home watching the finals just like you and I. So it wasn't a delivery. So we're, we're going to sit here and, okay, we're not doing this. We're not, we're not going uh, well, to sit sorry. here I don't and want, talk like, about how I don't Chris Middleton like I'm killing scoring it. in game three to force overtime. It was potentially important. potentially a spot in the finals. It was important. How he scores, but then they lose and that's on him? Yeah, but it, it, no, it was important. I'm not uh, saying that it wasn't important. I'm saying that this is the reason why people are skeptical about putting the Bucks automatically in the finals. He doesn't show up in the biggest of moments. Did he show up in one moment? Sure. You give him credit to show up a couple of moments, and he has done that throughout the, the entire season. He's being asked to show up again on Friday, and he wasn't there. Let's and not, that's the reason why they lost Let's not act the like the far more important and pressing issue is the injury to Giannis and not Huge. Chris Middleton. Oh, how, how, one big bad is it? Game. how big is it? Right. If it's lingering... I mean, it, what we, we saw the Toronto Raptors win an NBA title because they were opportunistic around mm-hmm. what happened to Golden State. So who's to say that, I don't know, if this tweaked knee ends up being a little bit worse than maybe we think it is, who's to say that's not how Philly can undo 82 terrible games and come out of the East, or how Toronto could get back there, or Boston, or whoever. Like, all of a sudden now, over the last 72 hours, there's, just a, there's significantly more doubt than there was entering the weekend. Yeah, you said you said it best. Uh, I think that that adds importance to them. They need to, like they have this huge cushion. They take advantage of it. Don't rush him back. There's no need to rush him back. Even let, let Chris Middleton have more time as the guy. Um, a lot of benefit can come from that, and and hopefully um, the the playoffs are more fun when Giannis is at 100. percent So get him as close to 100 percent as possible, and and see what it just fall from there. All right, let's move on and talk about the Clippers. That's a fun game. That was, that was a great game. Great game. I, I think that was the highest intensity we've seen all season long between the two best teams in the NBA. Uh, the Lakers walk away with the victory, and LeBron is still king, according to Kyle Kuzma, who placed the crown on LeBron's head. Uh, he was terrific in that game. 28 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. Anthony Davis said he had to show up, and he did. He did. 30 points. Uh, eight rebounds, and he was terrific defensively as well. Also had five fouls, but taking charges. When do you see Anthony Davis taking charges? Man. Yeah. He, he was feeling tired. He didn't feel like jumping for the block. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to give a shout-out to Paul George, though, because Paul George brought it for a large part of that game, and that was easily one of his better performances this season. He looks healthy again. Uh, 31 points led the team. Um, you know, Shot over 50% from the field. Kawhi was, was, his, was Kawhi. He gave you what he's going to give you. But not much else other than Montrez Hero from the rest of the Clippers. Uh, what's the biggest story coming out of the game? Is it more that the Lakers won or that the Clippers lost? I think the game itself actually doesn't matter. I, I think the MVP stuff is far more interesting than the game itself. Because ulti- think- ultimately, no, because ultimately it's one game in the, in the middle of March. And like the Lakers proved that 
that they can that they can beat them. Look, the, the last time they play, mm-hmm. uh, it their fourth and final meeting, the Lakers will be playing the third game in three days mm-hmm. because that's the the rescheduled game that was postponed following the. Uh, the passing of Kobe. So, you know, we're going to already just throw that game out because that's the the third game in three nights, so it doesn't really matter. So why doesn't this game matter? Because because are are you really going to look at LeBron and say, like, LeBron can't win a playoff series because he went 0-3 against the team in the regular season? Like, I don't know. That that, that doesn't seem right. No, but it it gave us a blueprint to how the Lakers can beat the Clippers. That's fair. So then What's, What's the blueprint? That Anthony Davis has relying to, on Marcus Morris to go over nine and over no, seven. No, that's not going to happen again. No, they're not going to go seven for thirty-one and shoot twenty-two. But Anthony Davis showed days. us, which he didn't show us in the first two games, that he could show up in the big moment. And when LeBron was on the bench, which has been the trouble for the Lakers all season mm-hmm. long, they played great basketball with him out of the game. Well, if, and if you don't think that matters, well, if there's one thing that's definitely true, it's that Avery Bradley's definitely hitting six threes <laughs> every game they play. He showed up. I in just, a big I don't moment, know. Though. I, I he, like you look. Defensively, you look at the he was little, great. The little reasons that they won this game beyond LeBron and AD, I think LeBron and it, they they are who they are, and those guys are amazing. They're great, but there's so much other little things that happened in this game that I don't know if you could point to and say definitively, oh, like that's super important. That's definitely going to happen again. Whereas like the MVP chatter, like that's a much broader discussion. Okay, and to me, far more interesting. Do you have any one. takes on the on the Clippers well, Lakers game before we move to the MVP saying, conversation? That's I mean that's my takeaway is just how inconsistent and sporadic the the supporting cast is. Like you said, Avery Bradley hit six threes and had twenty four points. The game before against Milwaukee, he was zero for five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know Kyle Kuzma doing played well in that game, didn't really play well against Milwaukee. So it's it's kind of with the Lakers, you just never know who's going to show up outside of AD and LeBron, and, mm-hmm. and that's I think ultimately going to be their downfall. I mean, I, I'm kind of confident in them a little more. I don't think that Avery Bradley's going to hit six threes. He might do it like one playoff game, but I think that that uh, production can be distributed throughout the roster. Like Danny Green. It took him a while to take his first shot in the game, and it was like a pull-up three-pointer. He didn't score. Maybe those six threes are, are spread out between KCP and Kuzma and Bradley and Danny Green. Uh, I think that they have the cast to be able to do that. I think they're kind of figuring out how to get in where they fit in as far as that goes. Um, defensively, again, this game, we did see LeBron pick up Kawhi on, on a few possessions. I think that kind of fits in with the, the MVP discussion that we talked mm-hmm. about. But also, I think an underrated aspect between uh, these two teams in this matchup is the familiarity between Frank Vogel and Paul George. He coached you know Paul George for a few years in Indiana. I think that kind of showed a little bit um, in the, the defensive game plan, uh, kind of living with him isolating a, a few times, and I think um, making things difficult for Kawhi and making him shoot contested uh, mid-range pull-ups. Kawhi, again, was still Kawhi. Shot 50% from the field at 27 points. And Paul George had a huge first half. But I think that they're going to try and do that and then try and limit the guys around him. I think that uh, Marcus Morris probably, I know, I know he won't have as, as bad of a game uh, offensively again, but I do think uh, part of that is a testament to how uh, the Lakers guarded them, uh, tr- trying to kind of staying at home and making things difficult for those supporting cast type guys. Trez ha- had a huge game off the bench. My Trez Harrell had a huge game off the bench. Um, but but Lou Williams also didn't have a great game as well. So I think the defensive game plan, the Lakers team defense, um, and trying to scheme for all the weapons that the Clippers have offensively is probably my biggest takeaway from from what a playoff series would look like. We have, I think, so, sort of the whole year and even going into the year, if there was one area that the Clippers – were a little bit lacking, it was inside and just size. And we saw like Zubach 
had four fouls, didn't even play 14 minutes, one of four from the field. He was terrible, right? And like you just you you can't get that out of your only true big. And if the answer is Joachim Noah, then uh, <laughs> who they just signed, then that's that's not great. So like if there's one big takeaway, it might be that they're that that size is who we we thought it might be a problem against Anthony Davis. It's a problem against Anthony Davis. And I mean, maybe that's fixed by Marcus Morris not going over nine, but defensively they got to figure out uh, what they're going to do to stop Anthony Davis. That would be the one biggest takeaway, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think Anthony Davis showed over the weekend uh, as much as LeBron showed in terms of he was the second best player on the floor for the entire weekend in both games and allowed LeBron to take over in the fourth quarter because Anthony Davis took over in the third and allowed LeBron to get that rest to keep their sub pattern going on. Anthony Davis third in the league in scoring in the third quarter, which allows LeBron James to be top five in the fourth quarter in scoring. He's first in minutes in the third quarter. LeBron, I think, played six minutes against the Clippers in that. So are we, are we being are we being too quick to dispel what the Clippers just did in their six games prior to this? In, uh, like they, they looked like the best team in the league by far. Right. Right. They were six and no with their new lineup, blasting everybody. They right. and they hadn't lost that full Houston. Either. They destroyed Denver. I know like Denver is up and down. Or whatever, right? <laughs> but I think, you know, coming into that Lakers game, it was like, oh my God, the Clippers are here. Like this is the team that we thought we'd see. Are we being too quick to sort of discard that and the wake of one loss i don't think so but i think we are being dismissive of how big of a win it was for the lakers given the fact that the clippers are playing their best basketball right now are healthy everyone expects the clippers to win the championship and the lakers who had to go to a high level on friday and win Mm -hmm. and emotionally and an emotional win then have to ratchet right back up and do it again less than you know 36 hours later it was an early game on sunday and the clippers were bringing it to them and they had to come back and win that game with LeBron and AD being the best players on the floor. I think we have to give them credit for that win. But let's move on. MVP conversation. Uh, it's interesting now. I don't think you could just – I still have Giannis, but I don't think you could just automatically eliminate what LeBron James has done over the last couple of weeks. You wrote about it on NBA.com, Micah. Um, you basically wrote the path of what happened this weekend of how yeah, LeBron could get the, back into it. It was the four-step process, and steps one and two are complete. Right, because he had to beat Giannis. You can't not. The MVPs are such narrative driven. You can't not beat the one guy who has been far and away the leader. Right, so we did that. You can't go under. You cannot lose all four games against the Clippers. Right, and again, like we said, that last meeting is on the third night of three straight. So like he might not even play, or they might get blown out. So he probably had to win that game. Uh, the Bucks can't win seventy. That if the Bucks win 70, Giannis is winning the MVP, no matter what happens. Well, all of a sudden they go out and lose the next day. They now got to go 17 and one just to reach 70. Okay, so that's not going to happen anymore. Uh, and then I think like we we talked about how LeBron guarded Giannis for stretches. LeBron took the challenge of guarding Kawhi. All those little moments sort of. Uh, bubble up to the surface. And when we talk about the word valuable, like Giannis has been unbelievable, right? But he just won it last year, right? So guy, it's really hard to win back-to-back MVPs. It just doesn't happen very often. And all of a sudden now the Lakers are also only two games back of the Bucks in the loss column. So not only are they running away with the West now, all of a sudden they might very well catch Milwaukee for the best record in the league. I don't know. Like I, I think it's actually like a coin flip right now. So, because it's a coin flip, yeah, and I agree with that. 
Um, especially LeBron averaging 13, 10, and 8 since the All-Star break. He, the, the stats are now on par with Giannis, where it's like it's legitimately a coin flip. Both teams are going to win in the six, around 65 games. But So then you just go to the tiebreaker, which is LeBron has AD on his team, and I think it's as simple as that. You give it to Giannis. LeBron has another top-five player on his team. So when, when it's that even and you have that factor. But what if that, the counter-argument is that LeBron's doing it in the West? I mean, and he has to play the Clippers four times, and he's got to play all these teams, you know. Clippers who weren't, who were, whereas Giannis is playing the the Pacers is his toughest challenge that he's the, playing. Four the top times. five in the East is just as good as the top five in the West, if you look at it. I mean, you can you can make that case. Okay. Plus, plus, you know, you're saying they played the Clippers four times. The Clippers were voluntarily not playing their best players, so I, I don't know. I don't know if that really makes that big of a difference, especially you look at the division they're in. I mean, you got some easy games in that division so yeah I, I wouldn't i wouldn't factor that in to me it's just it comes down to that he's got another great player on so his if team. you had a vote today who do you have Giannis. go i'm still going with Giannis, but you know one thing we kind of talked about a little bit already was i mentioned it like him not rushing back from his injury like at some point that could like also have a play in this i think he's missed seven games already this season last year he played 72 games and won mvp um, but if this knee is something that they kind of like try to treat, you know, very cautiously and he ends up, you know, going above 10, like and missing 14, 15 games, I, I know it's a, a new era where like we don't really hold guys, you know, a, like it doesn't impact negatively like their MVP case. But if LeBron does what he does for 75 games and Giannis overall has like a 67 game body of work, then you kind of have to look at it. I don't know if is that, is that a big enough difference? Like like LeBron playing seventy five versus Giannis playing you know sixty five to sixty seven games. Like, do you think that that could sway it? They add up, man. All those little things add up. And LeBron being in his seventeenth season doing yeah, it, yeah, it's just another thing that people will casually throw out there. If I had a vote, it would be for Giannis, but I think LeBron's going to win it. Why? Because of all the narrative, it's it's such you, a you can't give a guy an MVP just because it's his it's 17th a nar- season. It's a narrative driven award. It always has been. That's how Steve Nash won back to back ones. That's how Derrick Rose won one. That's why. That's why LeBron stopped winning them. But but what in is the middle? The nar- what is the narrative? The narrative is that this guy in his 17th season is leading the league in assists. He's playing the best defense he has in six years. He's averaging over 25 points a game. His team sucks whenever he's not on the floor. I know they have another top five player. Over the course of the season, the numbers bear out that when that's been AD out there without LeBron, they've been a lot of. How, how good are the Bucks when Giannis isn't on the floor? They would be. They have a net rating that would be third in the East. Okay, you that's, take Giannis off data. the floor over the course of the season, they they'd be in the mix for that four or five season. And what are, what are the numbers behind LeBron having his best defensive season in six years? Every defensive advanced metric has for a long time. It's not the case anymore. For a long time, I believe he was leading the NBA in defensive real plus minus. And this is a guy that basically has not tried on defense for like since probably his last season in Miami. Yep. I don't know. I, I just think you you add it all up. There, and look, whether or not we want to say it or not, like the Kobe stuff matters. Like it's LA. It's a, the spotlight. It's him rising, rising up and delivering this team. And they might finish with the best record in the league. All that stuff matters. We can pretend it doesn't matter, but that's always going to be in the back of people's minds. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's a it's a compelling narrative, but I think both guys just have such a strong case that to me, it just I said it already, but it comes down to that tiebreaker. Would would LeBron could take a night off, and you have a top five player who can carry the team? 
Where, yeah. But he hasn't carried the team. I guess, if, yeah, if you're going with those numbers of when LeBron's off. I mean, he hasn't, right? Like, <laughs> it's not a great argument, but, yeah, I mean, I think the writers are probably going to look at that, and it's, it's going to hurt him a little bit. I think timing is also everything. LeBron doing this at the beginning of the season versus now gives you a completely different feel because you're going to remember what you saw last. And Anthony, or sorry, uh, Giannis's injury is going to add to that because now LeBron has a spotlight all by himself after sweeping a big weekend in the NBA where he was on national TV twice, where the narrative started before he went into this weekend. And now coming out of it, he looks like he is still one of the best players, if not the best player in the NBA. Like I said, I still have Giannis. I just don't think you can throw away the entire body of work that he's done over the course of the season. And he's getting punished for the Bucks being very good and crushing teams all year long. I think if there were a lot more close games where he had to pull them on their back and, and we saw games where he had to be the man in the last two minutes it wouldn't be a discussion. But the fact that he's sitting out a lot of fourth quarters, he, he's getting be able, he's able to relax and enjoy while his team dominates when he's not on the floor, it's it's hurting his case. And I, I don't think that that's, that's entirely fair. So uh, right now today, I'm, I'm Giannis. What's the number of game, the difference in, in wins that it would take for Giannis to be a lock? Like if, if they have five more wins than the Lakers, is he a lock? Is it... Does it have to be like seven? I, they just have to finish first seed for me. I mean, up until last week, it looked like they were going to finish with like five more. I think entering last week, they had the NBA's hardest remaining schedule. Then they get blown out in Miami. They lose to the Lakers. They had another. I mean, they lost more games in the last week than they had in the last month, right? And I, if I'm looking at it right now, 538 currently has the Bucks projected to finish 65 and 17. The Lakers at 64 and 18. A, a one game cushion. I don't know. That's that. I don't think that. I don't think that's going to do it. I think it's at least three or four games. It also depends on how they get there for me. Like if Giannis comes back and he's back to forty and twenty on on any given night, then what does it matter, right? Like it, if they finish sixty five wins, he still was clearly from start to finish the best player in the NBA. I think you you have to give him credit for that. Definitely, and I still think he does have have the edge, and I think that. Again, like you said, everything LeBron's doing is more more recent, but I do think that if you take in the account just of, of everything from last year, the, the narrative of Giannis being back-to-back, and for a long time we are like, is it going to be unanimous, unanimous or not? So I think that there was so much ground for LeBron to make up that while it's really intriguing right now, I do still think Giannis has like a, a slight edge, but I mean, if, if the Lakers somehow end up with a better record, then that makes it, I might flip it a little bit. Things happen so quickly, so I'll ask this. Where's James Harden in the conversation? Because a week ago, before they went on this four-game slide, he was probably still in the top three conversation. I didn't. I actually had it uh, on our last poll. I had Russell Westbrook ahead of him because I thought, I think that Russ's change of mentality in terms of just working within the three-point line has changed the narrative around Houston and allowed the team to play better. Um, I don't think either of them should be in the conversation, but where... Where do you have them now? They're both outside the top five for me. I'll, okay. put, I'll put Luka. Well, then who's the next guy? Luka? Luka, Jokic, even Kawhi. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's the five. Did right Kawhi's now. loss on Sunday hurt him at all? No, he had a good game. I think it's Kawhi. I had Kawhi third, and I think that that's, uh, I, I, think he, I think it'll be Kawhi, Jokic, and then probably Luka. Yeah, that sounds about right. Kawhi, Jokic. Uh, I, I think... We have come to the point where I think I might have said this before. Like the things that Kawhi does, 
we almost just kind of tune out what he does in the regular season because for him, like the postseason, this is his real season. But he's playing so well this season. Um, he, he deserves more credit. I think it'll be reflected uh, in the MVP results ultimately. Had they won that game on Sunday, we'd be talking about Kawhi right now. Yeah, a lot more yeah. than mm-hmm. than what we yeah. uh, what we have been. Uh, the eighth seed, uh, the, a.k.a. the team that's just going to get swept in the first round. Oh, don't say that. I'm saying it. Um, <laughs> it, It's a battle, though. I will give them credit for that. The 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 battle in the eighth seed, in, in the, for the eighth seed in the Western Conference uh, is right now Memphis leading the way. They are four games up on the Pelicans and the Sacramento Kings. At the time of recording this, Sacramento and Pelicans are tied um, for ninth. Sacramento has a tiebreaker. Uh, I think by the the uh, season split, they'll play each other actually later on this week. Sacramento and New Orleans. Um, John Morant's back in action, 500 record. Uh, are the Memphis Grizzlies poised and primed and ready to go now that they added Jonte Porter? I mean, talented family right there. Talk into the eighth seed. Um, you know what? You know, you talk about the four game cushion that they have. I think it's a tricky four game cushion when you take a closer look. Mm-hmm. They still have two games left with the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. The Pelicans have beaten them twice already this year. So crushed one, them on Martin Luther King. Crushed them. Crushed them. Uh, one more win. That was, that was before Zion. It made yeah, they Zion. Um, I think you know, one more win. They have that head to head tiebreaker. Um, the Grizzlies have one of the toughest remaining schedules, while the Pelicans have one of the easiest, if not the easiest, easiest of any Western e- conference easiest team. of any Western yeah. Conference team. Um, you look at who they have. I think they play the Hawks twice, the Wizards twice. Philly comes to New Orleans, so that's like pretty and, much playing the Hawks or, or Wizards. And arguably, their three hardest games are the next three games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You caught that. You caught that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think the Pelicans really do have a shot. Like you, you talk about, it, it's like, oh man, they have to. I think at the time of recording, they're twenty six and, and thirty. They're twenty eight and thirty six. It's like, oh, they need to try to finish around you know, you know five hundred to finish. Like a, a thirteen and five finish with the schedule that they have ahead of them isn't really like that out of the realm of possibility. And I think that with the talent they have, those guys are only going to get more comfortable playing with another. Lonzo Ball has looked incredible lately. So I really think the Pelicans are still going to make that. One, one of the reasons those those uh, that untimely couple of losses last week, particularly the one at home to, to Minnesota, Minnesota Carl Anthony Towns, they got, a, they got a tough three-game stretch coming up. They got three games in four days on the road, Sacramento, Utah, and then the Clippers. Uh, and then after that, it's a complete cakewalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the finish line, um, but then you know, and that and that's one of those stretches where like they don't drop that Minnesota game. They can afford to then mm-hmm. maybe they they yeah. lose against both Utah and and LA. Uh, but Memphis has a ridiculous seven game stretch coming up. Um, so they have um, at Utah, at San Antonio. Uh, no, forget the San Antonio. They got the Thunder at the Bucks, home and home against the Pelicans. The Celtics and then home and home against the Raptors. That's a brutal seven game stretch there from Memphis. So um yeah. Yeah, I mean you said it when when Zion, Lonzo, Ingram, and Holiday all score over twenty four points and you lose to the Timberwolves, I'm 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 out on the Pelicans. You're out on them? Yeah. They're not, <laughs> already out on Zion, but yeah, you Incredible. lose at home to the Timberwolves. Come on, without Carl Anthony Towns, you you can't have get games out of those four guys and lose to a terrible team like that. 
and they've lost three out of five, even with Lonzo playing incredible, as you said. So I, I'm just, it, it's not their year. They're not, Derek Favors is slow and not really helping them out too I much. I do believe they have tiebreakers over every single team, I which will so. help them as well. So, did, so. It, did they have it with the Blazers? Because that's a team that we haven't even mentioned. That Go I, ahead. I think. You, do you, so I was just about to ask you, do you who, who jumps into the conversation if it's not the Pelicans or Memphis? I think it's the Blazers. I mean, they've, won, they've made the playoffs six straight years. Since, since Lillard's sophomore year, they made it every year. You, you can't count out Damian Lillard. They're getting – he's finally getting healthy. Ariza's had a little rejuvenation since they got him. They've even gotten like Gary Trent playing well. He's averaging 13 points a game over his last 10 or so. So they're getting contributions from other guys now, and they made the conference finals last year. So it's They went 0-4 against the Pelicans. <laughs> if we, and was, You're that, killing me that, with these stats. And if, right? and if, and if we're going to get on the Pelicans for, for losing at home to the Timberwolves, we got to get on the Blazers for giving up 37 and 16 to Aaron Baines and let, and let Ooh, him hit, let, let him hit step back threes over that. over Dame Lillard. When we said oh. that, when we said that Stephen Adams would become the nastiest three point shooter in the league as a big, we just man, met Aaron Baines. We, we really met Aaron. Baines. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a country. Aaron we're a country yeah, away. Same region. You know, we just got that messed up. And I think the next night they they went back home and lost to the Kings. And you saw CJ. McCollum have that uh, little incident or, you know, back and forth with Alex Lynn. I think the frustration with Portland is starting to show in the way that their season has gone. Um, kind of not not according to plan. Now, Yusuf Nurkic will be back, uh, I think, a week from the time we record this, which I don't know if that's too late to give them the, the push that they need. But um, I, Zach just, Collins I, coming back too, potentially. That, 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 would be, that would be big. I just think that they needed the wins over the weekend, at least one against – against the Suns or the Kings, and to drop both of those games, I think that that hurt them a lot. These odds feel not right, uh, but for what it's worth, 538 currently has the Pelicans with a 60% chance of getting in, Mm -hmm. followed by the Grizzlies at 18, the Blazers at 11, the Kings at 8, and the Spurs. Holding on with a 1% chance of making the playoffs. I think we can eliminate the Spurs. I think the the streak's over. Gone fishing. It's over. The streak's over. Um, Gil, who do you have? Is Is it Memphis or the Pelicans? Are they making it? Uh, I still after after I saw the Pelicans get the, get the win against Miami at home and hold on for that I think that they're going to uh, make the most of the schedule they have ahead and playing the Grizzlies twice. I don't even have to ask you. Do I'm I? stubborn, man. <laughs> I've been beating that Pelicans drum all year. I'm not no reason to stop now. I actually think that uh, I think the Pelicans are going to get in. Wow, look at you Pelicans, coming around. I think the Pelicans are going to get in. I went from blowing them up to uh, to them making the playoffs. They're going to slide in. I think their schedule is way too easy down the stretch. Uh, Memphis has tough schedule. After they get past this week, we'll we'll really find out if they if they stub their toe against Sacramento, Utah, and the Clippers, and go 0, 0 for three in those three games coming up this week. Then that is not that is not a playoff team. That's not a, play, a team that looks like they deserve to be in the playoffs. Um, and uh, yesterday, I was watching them a lot against Minnesota. Minnesota's playing without Carl Towns, mm-hmm. and they got embarrassed. You know five days before the game and there were still lulls in their intensity throughout that game. They allowed Minnesota to hang around a lot more than they should have. The scoreline won't show you that because then they turned it on and Minnesota kind of, you know, they have one foot on the beach. They're not really interested (laughs) in playing basketball, but it it didn't look like a team that knows what's at stake on a day. And that's just youth. The other, the other piece of that, of that Pelicans upcoming schedule. So not only are they on the second night of a back to back when they play the Clippers, the Clippers are also on the second yeah. night of a back-to-back. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if history is any indication, there's a decent chance that, like, Kawhi might not play in that game. Maybe Paul George doesn't play. And maybe the Clippers look at the schedule and say, 
hey, would we want the Pelicans to get that eight seed and maybe take a game, take two games off the Lakers, make their life a little, little more complicated? <laughs> That's not happening. That's Clippers not happening. about to throw the game against the Pelicans. <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, they need to win one of those two games, though, either at Utah or at L.A. They just have to win one of those games, and they should beat Sacramento and, and wrap up that season series. All right, shout-outs. What do we got this week? So you just mentioned Sacramento, who we're not even throwing in the conversation, even though they're <laughs> just they're on the same plane. Your as boy, Deer and Pelicans, Fox, and that is my shout out, Deer Fox. So a guy that everyone sort of counted out after the first couple months of the season was banged up. We didn't even have him on our uh, top ten players in five years list. Only a couple of, of the writers from NBA.com had him in there. This guy's really starting to play well now. He's averaging something like twenty three and six over his last nine games or ten games. The team is seven and three. He's the reason. And uh, he, he's really getting back to the point where we can talk about him as one of the best young players in the league and deserve some credit. And they, they might surprise everyone and make us all look stupid for not even bringing them up and, and get that eight seed. I don't want to go too deep into this rabbit hole, but Buddy Hill went to the bench and Bogdan Bogdanovich is now starting and that kind of changed the Sacramento Kings. Was that a good or bad move from Luke Walton? I mean, it's clearly it's been a good move, right? Yeah, if they they're it's working one seven out of ten, it's hard to say it's it's a bad says, move. What's the I argument mean, for it not working? Well, they just signed Buddy Heel to. I'm thinking long term. They just signed Buddy Heel to a big contract. Bogdan's on a con. He's out of there at the end of the season. There's no way he resigns there, right? No way. He's restricted, right? So is he? he okay. He's something. I guess he has I think, no I think choice. Think so. <laughs> something to do with the freeing up the money. With they traded dead and they're going yeah. to try. They're preparing to give him a big payday. But thing like. I mean, Buddy Hill's playing well. It's just kind of hard. You're paying somebody that much to come off the, to bench. Come off the bench. But, you know, if it works, it works. So you can't really argue with the results. And then he wasn't in the game last night when the Raptors were uh, – they needed a three-pointer to that, tie. Yeah, that was incredible. Was in you, can, you, can hear, you can hear a fan on the, on the sideline saying, we have the three-point contest champion on our team. Why is he not in the game when you need a three-pointer? Yeah. Which is, this is I mean, a, this a great point. Conversation for a different day for sure. But Buddy Hill feels like a prime candidate – for a, the uh, the annual best player that gets traded in the offseason, right? Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I could see it. Sacramento, if you you gave Lottie Devox some truth here. Are you thinking he's uh, happy that they gave Buddy Hill that deal? I have no idea. They what don't know what they're doing. Do you think they're happy that they Does Lottie even know that it happened? I mean, I, <laughs> <Yeah>, Lottie's stupid. <laughs> I don't want to kill Lottie. Best, <laughs> best player, though, traded in the offseason, I think you're – Elevating him a little bit too high. I mean, think of all the trades. He's pretty good, right? He's, he's he's pretty good, yeah. But like, think of all the trades we've had in the last few years in the offseason. There's going to be some better players than Buddy Hill traded. Yeah, maybe. All right, Never what do you got? Uh, first of all, I want to. I, I got to apologize to him. Go ahead. We, we were we sat in the United Center and and uh, had a pod after the All Star game, and you asked what I wanted to fix about All Star Weekend, and I said. Guys like Terrence Davis should get in the rookie game over guys who average a lot of points for bad teams. I'm not going to say any names. I was talking about Colin Sexton. I apologize, Colin Sexton. Since the Austin break, since I said that, maybe he listens to Sound System. Since I said that, I'm sure he does. Um, he's <laughs> aver- bulletin board material. He's averaging 25.4 points per game, uh, shooting just under 51 percent from the field, uh, hitting two and a half threes per game, 43 percent clip. I mean, I get it. It's the Cavs. Nobody really is really talking about the Cavs. But we didn't really know what he was going to be when he came to the league and how that was going to work out or whatever. They had two wins over the weekend against the Nuggets and, and the Spurs. Uh, Colin Sexton's looking good. He's looking like a, a piece that Cleveland could be encouraged about moving forward. I don't know what their roster is going to look like in the future, but Colin Sexton is a competitor and he's playing really well. And he shut me up ever since I I, I called him out. I, 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 sorry. I, I love that shout out because this is it's bizarre how this is a 21 year old who's averaging over 20 points a game and no one. 
Crickets. Just talking about him. I mean, he doesn't even get chosen for the for the rookie sophomore <laughs> right. game. Like, right. It's it's a, kind of a strange thing how how yeah, it's crickets on him. So I'm glad you called him out. It, well, getting killed at the beginning of the season last year, I think, ruined it for yeah. Colin Sexton. And he like since then he's been incredible. But his rookie year, people were out on him like two months in, and no one's ever paid attention again. Well, Gil, you were cheating on the test because that's the exact same wow. guy. That I had oh wow! Out. <laughs> there we go. All right, All right. Yeah. Yeah. great planning by us there. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he's not underrated things, anymore. I mean, yeah. he had 41 <laughs> against that game against Boston. Sexton feels like the prime candidate for random dude that scores 50 in the last month of the season. Right? I thought you were going to say best player that gets traded in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs> you traded for Buddy Hill. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Mo Williams. Well, uh, and maybe, so he's, as you said, 25 points, been 50, 50, 40, 80 now for a while. Perhaps the most important number in that over their last 11 games, the Cavs are 6-5. and five. Same, record, same record over that stretch as the Nuggets, Rockets, Heat, Pelicans, mm. and Sixers. Mm-hmm. A lot of Colin Sexton love on this podcast. <laughs> uh, Lonzo Ball is my shout-out. Since Zion's been on the Pelicans, Lonzo Ball has been what we expected Lonzo Ball to be in the NBA. Just a perfect match for uh, a guy that can get up and down the floor. And, he, you know, we see the half-court alley-oop tosses. But Lonzo just playing good basketball. 13 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds, uh, shooting 43% from three-point range. Remember when his shot was broken? Not anymore. Lonzo Ball's knocking down threes. Uh, and, you know, credit to him working his ass off in the offseason and getting that shot form fixed up. Now he just needs to work on those free throws because he's still shooting only 67% from the line. Um, but Lonzo Ball is the perfect point guard right now to play next to a guy like uh, uh, Zion Williamson. He gets in the ball when he needs to be, when he needs touches, Lonzo Ball is getting him the rock. And it hasn't taken away from Brandon Ingram. Like, Brandon Ingram has still been. Brandon Ingram with Lonzo with us or Zion back into lineup and a lot of that has to do with the way that Lonzo Ball kind of manufacture things for the team for a guy that can't shoot shooting better from three than CJ McCollum Kimball Walker <laughs> Mike Conley Kawhi Leonard Man. D'Angelo Russell Donovan Mitchell Drew Holiday Trey Young Kyle Lowry and Bradley Beal is pretty good yeah and it's not like he's like not taking that many either he's no, taking like six, six, six and a half, half, half threes a game yeah. so I mean you gotta got give him credit I think Change of scenery has done wonders for him. I think is, is less noise surrounding him uh, than there was in L.A., obviously. And also, I, I just think that um, the year playing with LeBron for a season, you, you probably soak up some knowledge whether you, you want to or not. It was something I, I watched LeBron do um, last night or yesterday afternoon. Um, he had an opportunity to throw a lob to Anthony Davis or drop it off to Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris hadn't scored yet. He drops off to Markeith Morris, and I think that just kind of does confidence. Little things like that, when you talk about you know Brandon Ingram still being Brandon Ingram around Zion, I think that with a point guard as cerebral as Lonzo Ball, he makes those type of decisions, knows how to get everybody involved, spread the wealth, because there's so much offensive talent in New Orleans. So you have to have somebody running the show that, that has the ability to make those types of decisions, and I think that Lonzo is that guy. I can't wait till we get the Young King Instagram post from LeBron <laughs> taking claim for Lonzo uh, rejuvenating his career in New wait, Orleans. Why would someone not want to absorb knowledge from LeBron? Yeah, just, nah, that's true. That's true. Ask right. Kyrie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess there you that's, go. Yeah. that's a fair point. Oh, we didn't even get to that. Yeah, we didn't talk about right, Kenny Let's, let's get to it quickly. Uh, <laughs> Keith Atkinson. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're firing in Brooklyn. Kenny Atkinson out as head coach for the Brooklyn Nets. They are... They look like they're on the way to the playoffs for, I think it's the third straight season? Second straight, second straight. Yeah. Second straight, second straight, second straight season. Uh, Gil, you're a local uh, Brooklyn Nets expert. <laughs> Why now? And uh, 
who do you think goes in to replace him? Or what sort of coach? I won't give you don't give me a name, but what sort of coach has to go in to replace him? Well, you said it already. It was weird. It was weird. Like like everything that kind of came from it, um, trying to figure out point like why now? Like this team is they've been asking coaches about it, and, and I think the the consensus around the league is that all he's done there is overachieve with those guys. But I think that it ultimately seems like him being known for his player development and, and getting the most out of out of you know talent like castoffs or guys who are you know um, I guess underrated, underappreciated. That doesn't necessarily fit with having the star duo of, of Kyrie and Kevin Durant. I think that uh, you, you got to point towards something about that. You look at the whole thing. There was there was issues around him not starting DeAndre Jordan, and then the first game where Jacques Vaughn takes over, DeAndre Jordan's back in the starting lineup. Um, it, it just seemed like you know to almost. DeAndre Jordan doesn't need to start for anybody in the NBA right now. It seemed like he was given a promise that that, that, that was part of the deal. <laughs> this is in college. With, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sit on the bench. Yeah, very, very college like. Um, but but ultimately, I think that just uh, they they need a guy who um, is going to be able to manage stars. Um, I guess some, I think part of being a coach in the NBA and being able you, you look at the best coaches uh, for for really talented teams. They have uh, like a kind of reputation, or they have their own personality big enough to manage stars. You talk about uh, not not necessarily an ego, but like Steve Kerr ha- has a big personality. He has the uh, a a way that he resonates with his star players. He played with Michael Jordan, so like he ha- he knows how it is. Um, you know, Phil Jackson is the Zen master. He was a guy who was able to manage egos and 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 let the players lead themselves. He did it with Kobe and Shaq. He did it with Jordan and Pippen. Uh, Greg Popovich again, like he he's a guy who's a so who's that guy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. If we hear a, a lot about Ty Lue. Is Ty Lue good enough to be? Ty Lue would get eaten alive in New York. You I think, think so? But it's yeah. not New York, though. It's not New York. It's it's, it's Brooklyn. Well, like, but it's when not Kevin Durant's, but it, but when Kevin Durant's in the lineup, it's going to be gonna New be York. Okay. That's fair. I, I, I think he got a, complete, a completely raw deal. Uh, Joe Harris had this quote. Uh, dealing with a young and up-and-coming team is much different than coaching superstar players. He didn't get to coach superstar players. At all. He didn't have Kevin Durant. He had Kyrie for 20 games. And the thing that I find crazy with, with, with Kyrie, we talk about all the noise Are and drama. Are you saying Joe Harris isn't a superstar player? I, I am breaking news here. <laughs> in Apparently Joe Harris doesn't think but he's a superstar like, So Kyrie's been in the league for nine years and has never had a coach more than two straight years. Right. right, goes through Byron Scott in two years. Mike Brown, David Blatt, Ty Lue. He mm. wins a title with Ty Lue and then demands a trade out of there. Then he gets he gets to Boston where he's finally has a great coach and Brad Stevens wears out his welcome there and it all hell breaks loose. Then he in part part of the reason that him and Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn is because of the established culture that Kenny Atkinson is probably more responsible for than anyone else. And can't, doesn't even make it through one year of coaching Kyrie, who's been in and out of the lineup. They've been better than when he's been there. And then the guy who was maybe one of the five best coaches in the league doesn't even get a chance to coach Kevin Durant. What are we doing? At some point, what, what's, what's going to happen when they bring in Ty Lue, when they bring in Jason Kidd, when they bring Mike D'Antoni? At what point does the buck have to stop and Kyrie is someone that then has to look himself in the mirror? Because make no mistake about it, if Kyrie and Kevin Durant were cool with Kenny Atkinson, he'd still be the coach. That's true, right? Yeah, yeah. It's got true. it's got Kyrie written all over it. This is this is a Kyrie problem, right? I think it's pretty. Clear. They win without him. Spencer Dinwiddie's a, a borderline All Star. They don't drop off. So what's Kyrie gonna do? Not stick up for the guy who developed the culture, 
which is the whole reason that he's playing there now in the first place. Yeah, I can't wait to see the mess that it is next year when Durant comes back. But I think if I had to make a guess on who it'll be next year, I think the New York teams are going to switch coaches that they started with in the beginning of this year. So I think okay. David Fisdale is going to be in Brooklyn, and Kenny Atkinson, who I agree did a great job and deserves another chance, is going to unfortunately be employed under James Dolan. But he's going to be working. <laughs> he's going to be coaching the Knicks. I don't like. I don't, I don't mind that. I've actually heard the Knicks take a lot, and I, I think it would look great for Kenny Atkinson because the bar will be so low. First of all. And he'll have all the motivation in the world to just be better than the Nets, which are across with far less talent. Um, but there's going to be so many jobs. I don't want to fire people on the spot, but I'm doing it. Uh, there's going to be so many jobs <laughs> that are going to open up over, you know, in this summer. Like, I, I expect the, the Sixer job to open up. Um, I expect maybe if this the, if it doesn't work out in Houston, that job opens up and that becomes a really attractive job. Uh, you can look at maybe... The Blazers' jobs, Chicago, I see them in Chicago the Bulls. Um, Timberwolves. There's so many jobs that could open up for a guy like Kenny Atkinson who knows how to build a culture. And all those places, minus maybe the Bulls, have like a star player already there and established an all-star uh, player. Zach already. Levine. Yeah, just, sorry, just Zach. Hating on him. Sorry. Well, I, I, you know, let me not kill Zach Levine. Zach <laughs> Levine is there. He's he's a star, and I, I like Markinen too. Kenny Atkinson would probably put Kobe White in the starting lineup too. <laughs> that's an easy fix. <laughs> he seems like a that's guy. That Bulls as a Bulls fan, that's who I want. He seems like a Bulls type coach, yeah. right? Like a I think Thibodeau so. type mold. Yeah. Where would you want to see him the most? Kenny Atkinson. Yeah. The Bulls. I thought that to begin with, it makes so much sense. He's known for player development, known for overachieving. I think he gets the most out of guys, and I think that he can resonate with a young team. Like this Bulls team should be way better than it is this year, and I think that he would allow them to get closer to a ceiling. It would be cool to see him with a team that has a lot of talent that could win, though. Like it'd be if if you know, let's say that Denver decides to move on, or mm-hmm. New Orleans decides to move on. Like it'd be it'd be fun to see what he could do because I I feel like so if he goes to New York. Right, and he makes them competitive, and then they finally sign someone. He's got what a nine month lease before they then get good enough, and they decide, okay, we're ready to compete. Let's go get someone that can get us across the finish line. Or I, I don't know. It feels like Kenny Atkinson is going to just be this guy who rebuilds teams to the point that they're ready to win, and then when they're ready to win, they ax him and go get someone else. And Sucks. Do you think that's because he doesn't have much NBA pedigree? He didn't I mean, play. There, he there was a time when Eric Spolstra didn't have it either, right? And Pat Riley stuck with Eric Spolstra, then he, he turned into one of the five best coaches in the league. So then why why do you think Kenny Axon has that curse on him? I, go ask Kyrie Irving, because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, yeah, Kyrie's, I think he's, he, Kyrie actually did him a favor, if that is what's true, which we could all assume that was what happened. Uh, Kyrie did him a favor, because he would have had to sit in front of the media and explain why there's such a divide in the locker room. He's better off yeah, working be somewhere else. It's going to be a brutal situation. It's going to be, uh, very, be Jason Kidd there. You think so? Feels like a Jason Kidd type. Type game. Yeah, yeah maybe it fits, Mike the, fits the profile. D'Antoni would be interesting. Back in New but York. But could he play? Like, Can you fit Durant and Kyrie into D'Antoni? I mean, I mean he's... he's isolation all day, right? That's what they want. That's what they want. Yeah. Really relaxed on D, chill out. And Durant's working back from injury. You have it's it's going to be a splashy hire, right? I don't know. Okay. Like, I, Fizdale's got that reputation, but he's also 71 and 134 as an NBA. <laughs> like, like I, what has David Fizdale done beyond serving as, as an assistant in Miami? Which, I mean, that, that has a lot of cachet, but like, 
it's not exactly like he's a proven commodity as a head coach. In, in fairness, though, he hasn't had the one time he had good teams. He did bring him to the playoffs. Yeah, the Kenny Atkinson was a disaster. Yeah, no, I'm not. I, I yeah. think Kenny's great. He, like you said, he's probably one of the five best coaches. I, I just don't want to rate David Fizzo based on what happened in New York because that was a dumpster fire before he even before he even got there. There are some questionable things though in New York, like playing RJ Barrett like 44 minutes a game, saying like, "Oh yeah, he's a, he's he's 19, he, he he can handle it." Like, but but on the but, on the, on the other but end, but it heads with Marcus All in Memphis, yeah. Right? But on the other on the other hand, like, uh, like there are a lot of things like there's there's a reason he gets the ring endorsements from stars like LeBron and, and people like that. He's they, uh, seeing him in action at a Knicks practice. I remember uh, last season. Um, he just went and sat down with Emmanuel Moutier and just was like, you could tell he had like a, a personal connection and he resonates with the players. So I do think that a lot of the things that he brings to the table and that he's known for aren't necessarily tangible and can't be uh, measured in wins and losses. Does that mean he deserves the shot in Brooklyn? I don't know, but I, I do think that him having a a, a, a name like that uh, it will give him opportunity. And one person I saw as a wild card uh, name is is our guy Phil Handy. Uh, out out in LA, he's mm. he's Kyrie's guy. Uh, he's worked Katie out. Maybe he's a few years away from being that head coach guy, but I wouldn't be surprised if he at least gets a, a long hard look just because of Kyrie having the pool and if it's it's a star uh, oriented thing as they what the, the next decision they decide to make could, could be like him and maybe it's like they handpick the staff around him. But if if those guys want to have a guy that they that that, that that that's their guy, he seems like he fits the bill. John Calipari. Wow, you're just going right there, yeah, huh? Why not? All the way there. It's always, he's always in conversation for these type of jobs. Come back to, to the Nets organization, <laughs> go full circle. Why not? They don't even have a Kentucky guy. No, but he was on. The, he was a head coach of the Nets the last time he yeah, was. Yeah, that went really but it, well. Yeah, it was awful. It was awful. <laughs> but he didn't have Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. You don't think he's 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 more uh, leaning towards the Knicks with his connection with Leon Rose and, and uh, worldwide West. <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be either he's gonna get a big contract from Kentucky again, even though it's not up, or he'll just be in the conversation for it. All right, uh, that's all we have for this episode of NBA Sound System for Michael Adams, Gil McGregor, Alex Novick. I am Carlin Gay. Thanks for listening to Colin Sexton's favorite podcast, <laughs> NBA Sound System.